Welcome, everyone, to another edition of our weekly Wednesday Lunch and Learn. This week, we are delighted to have Job Hammond out of the Austin market. I know Austin has been a popular conversation, and we had several different realtors from that market, but I don't think we can learn enough about the market there, given the Austin market is changing a lot. Different realtors have their own kind of focuses as to who they help, and because like I'm sure you can attest to like downtown is a very different environment than perhaps the suburbs. It's just a different group of people that choose to live in those prospective areas. However, we're going to learn a lot. But before we introduce our wonderful guests, if you or anyone you know is actively searching or considering to buy or sell real estate, love to get it introduced. It's been phenomenal just across the U.S. Um, in terms of how low interest rates are. And so with that flexibility of moving a little bit further than you thought you would be, it's been relatively affordable for a lot of people to get into the home ownership side. However, without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Job. Welcome to the show. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you actually was raised in the Bay Area. So tell us when you moved to Austin and, and what you actually did before real estate. Yeah, Spencer, thank you so much. And thanks for having me on today. You're right. Interest rates are super low. And actually, before I answer your question, Folks in my market who were pre-qualified at $275,000 six months ago, now they can afford about $315,000 at the same monthly payment. Those low interest rates are actually making a big impact. So I'm actually from the Bay Area, uh, born and raised in San Jose, California to an immigrant mother. My mother uh, is from Hong Kong. She came to this country when she was 10 years old, not speaking a word of English and gave me the opportunity and really drive to think about how important education and things are. So, uh, you know, uh, went to school in San Jose, graduated from Lee High School and started in the tech business uh, really early at the age of 19. Uh, my first uh, company I was at is called C2B Technologies. We ended up getting maybe a million and a half funding from Draper Fisher. And then uh, after some success, we brought some key clients. We were able to raise you know, $30, $40 million in venture capital and get acquired by a major corporation. So super exciting to be able to be involved in that business. Um, then I started becoming a, a sales executive for Fortune 500 companies, including Oracle. I was there for five years. And Oracle is really what drove me to, um, to Austin. I was looking, I'd lived in San Carlos, right off Alameda de las Pulgas. Uh, and I was there and I bought a house in 2002 for 875,000. I sold it in 2006 for 1.625 million. And now it's worth 3 million, but whatever. <laughs> I'm happy to give up a million and a half to be able to live in Austin because it's such a fantastic place to live in. Oh. Um, but, you know, um, so, um, so Oracle really needed somebody to cover the central region. And for me, I was really looking for an opportunity to, uh, I just had a baby, right? We had a one-year-old baby who was, who was born right down the road. Um, and um, I was looking for a new house, but even in 2005, 2006, a new house in Hillsborough was going to cost like 2 million. I was like, man, I don't want to spend 40, $50,000 a year in property taxes. This is ridiculous. This is madness. So then I ended up saying, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for me to find something else. And I evaluated a couple states and Austin, Texas has perpetually been on the top 10 list for the last decade or so. So they had a tech centric environment, um, you know, good quality of life, fantastic schools. I don't have to send my kids to private school when I'm, you know, I'm out here. They can go to the public schools and they're exemplary. Um, and uh, and I guess uh, and, and I made my way out here. Uh, I, I spent 
about 19 years in the technology business, and I never really expected to get into real estate. Spencer, I dreamed about it. It was something I always thought of. I just like everybody else, I watch HGTV and I go, this would be great. Look how easy it is. It's not, <laughs> but uh, but it's, it is a lot of fun and I enjoy doing it. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So tell us like, what year did you make the transition? Was it, were you doing it on the side while you were doing sales at Oracle? Did you, yeah, what was that transition like? Yeah, no, I think my story might be just a little bit similar to yours, right? Because you also spent time in the technology business. So did I, you know, and I had it. And so I was uh, I was doing my I was doing the sales work um, and I started working for these billion dollar startup companies. They call them unicorns. Uh, and then I got my license. I had my license for eight years in California. The only house I ever sold was my own. You know, we hired me, but I wasn't really focused on it. Um, but then I've been licensed here in Austin for about six years. So I, I get my license. And I tell a couple friends, like just at a social event, I was like, ha, I got my license. And then somebody pulled me aside and said, Hey, we want to, we want to hire you. And I go, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, look, I was like, look, I don't have much experience, but if you're willing to work with me, I've got a broker who can help guide, but you know, if you want, that's fine. Nice. So I did that. And this house that they had was like on the market for a year previously. And they gave me an opportunity for like a dead listing and I ended up selling it in 30 days. And then, so the neighbors took notice and then, um, I got another opportunity for another house that was previously on the market for eight months. I sold it the first day. Uh, and then I had another opportunity Anyways, I had like $60,000 in commissions and I was like, I don't really need the money for anything. I guess I'll just throw it into marketing. Mm -hmm. And then my phone stopped, started ringing and it, it never stopped. So I had a conversation with my wife. I was like, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think there might be something here. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's something where, uh, it's something that I love and I'm passionate about it as somebody who traveled every single day, you know, for almost 20 years away from the family, it was really a good opportunity for me to be able to look at something else, which is real estate. That's awesome. So it sounds like the, the journey when you got started actually was, was pretty immediate in terms of the success you got. Was that, is that fair to say, or was it some immediate successes? And then you're like, Oh wow, now I got hard or did it kind of continue just, just, just snowballing. I, you know, I don't know about your business, but my business, it, it, it gets easier and easier. And I think the hard part is actually getting started, getting people to have some belief in you, to have some faith in your expertise. I, you know, I didn't bring much real estate, but I brought 20 years of business experience with you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uh, sales training from the corporate world, which probably has some value to it. Uh, when I got into the business to Austin, there was about 12,000 real estate agents. Now there's about 14,000. And these 12,000 people, they kind of looked all the same, right? They all looked the same. They all had the same badge. You know, they, you know, they, they, they looked the same. So I really looked for a way for myself to differentiate myself on, on every single factor possible, right? Every single factor. And what I saw as my differentiators were things like education, uh, volunteerism, professionalism, and responsiveness, stuff that you and I just do naturally in our businesses because of our backgrounds, but maybe, maybe for others, maybe not as, as, as perhaps natural. So when it comes to education standpoint, uh, I, I looked at it and I said, I want to take, I have, I've earned 27 designations and certifications. I've taken more than 300 classes. I've spent more than 2000 hours of time. I don't necessarily care about the alphabet soup that comes with these sort of credentials. I care about the knowledge that I can impart upon my clients. 
And then responsiveness, right? I mean, especially now with newer generations, I work with people of all generations. Uh, responsiveness is important, right? And you know, I don't mind being tied to my telephone. I'm fine with that. Most of the time I'll have, you know, sub five minute response times. Um, but, you know, now it's fantastic because I have an opportunity to be able to teach others what I do in my business and really try to elevate the industry as much as I can to give us all a great reputation. No, that's awesome. So if, can you share the production and the volume? So what year did you get start started that first year? And then love to hear um, either you want to share last year or what you have so far year to date. So people have an idea, like kind of that trajectory. Sure. About $18.3 million in sales last year with about 50 sales. And, you know, for me, it's just me. I don't have like a, you know, I know you have a team and stuff and you know, some of these other agents do it. You know, I, I would prefer to do, uh, have more control over the environment and and expand less and have a higher quality of service than to have a large team spread it out and sell a couple hundred houses a year. It's just the way I chose to do things. Um, it's maybe perhaps counterintuitive to what many of the team models uh, uh, proposed to be, but it's something that I want to do. And again, like I mentioned before, I just want to be different than everybody else in every way possible. That's awesome. And then this year, is it going better? Is it about the same? How does it look so far? Seeing it the same, but you know, it only from you know, you know, you talked about production numbers, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, what we should care about is margin, right? I mean, that's, that's why we're in business is for margin. So if I'm throwing you know all my money at uh, you know, certain leads or whatever, you know how it goes, right? It's all been margin. So I've you know, I've I've cut those feeds, right? I no longer have relationship with third party portals and stuff. And exactly. now what I'm really focusing on is the margin game, tightening up the business a little bit, making sure that I can span small uh with, with easy tasks and really working on the key components of my business, which is high level of service and then of course profitability, uh, and then uh helping out clients and, and working on referrals and repeat clients. That's awesome. And I, I think the audience should understand this where there are so many ways to grow the business. I mean, you can have a mega eight mega team, right? Uh, you have a lot of agents under yourself, you have high production, but what is often overlooked is some are making a ton of money, make no mistake, right? Some are incredibly profitable. Others are not as profitable. And as a solo agent, you have a lot more controls in place. Uh, when it comes to the business and the profit margins may be a lot more comparable than you might have guessed, right? Or you, they may see, even though one says, Hey, look, I have 50 million in production, whatever it is, but they have all these overhead costs and their expenditures with ads, which is not uh, inexpensive, especially with like Zillow ads. So that's the fascinating part about the business, right? There's a lot of ways to be successful and some models work better for the, for others, right? Like, in Job's case, sounds like just very happy. You get some, you get the benefit as well. But something smaller is because you're the person that's still, you know, interacting with them. You're still developing and creating even stronger relationships. But if you had a team, there's no way that you could possibly have that kind of tight experience because you had to, you know, bring in a buyer's agent or somebody else that's really inter interacting with them through the whole journey. So uh, that's the beauty of the business. So that's that's awesome to hear. Absolutely. So we got a question from on YouTube. You love to get a market update. So yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit of, uh, let's just take it back even for the last, let's say two, three years. Cause here in the Bay area, as an example, the market hit a high in mid of 2018. And then over the last two years or year and a half, it, it declined. But then with interest rates, uh, dropping in the early parts of this year, 
things picked up. And then with COVID, actually things picked up even faster because interest rates even dropped even faster. So what has been the the trend or what has been going on from a market data market perspective over the last two years? Was there any dip at all or um, and then share with us what happened with with COVID? Sure. I guess I'll just give you an update on what's, what's uh, going on right now, and then I'll work my way backwards. But in the Austin Round Rock MSA, we've continued to be you know the top five and 10 markets within the United States perpetually. Right now, we have about uh, the average price is about $355,000 with around 1.2 months worth of inventory. And what that means, you, know, you probably know this, but much, what your viewers may or may not, what that means is no new inventory on the market and 1.2 months, every single house will be sold conceptually. So uh, six and a half months is a balanced market between buyers and sellers. Right now we have what's called an extreme shortage. Um, but we do have good things uh, in our in our area, like the schools are quite good. And, you know, they're good. Many people who are moving from the Bay Area or other parts can um, move here and um, send their kids up to public school without an issue, not, without having to pay 20 grand a kid for, for schools. Our property taxes are, are higher. Um, you know, we'll range between 1.9% and 3.3% property tax. But again, keep in mind, the averages are a lot lower than where your market is, but we have no state income tax. When I was in California, I paid 9.3% uh, in state income tax. I have people coming out here, like I have New York uh, investment brokers who want to live here for six months and one day out of the year in order to avoid what they call state tax. And then they also call it borough tax, which I guess is like a county tax or whatever. So they do that and they buy a million dollar condo downtown and they kind of get that housing for free and they get to live in Austin for a little bit. Two days ago, uh, I put an offer for an investor. I moved a, I moved an Amazon employee out here from the Bay Area and we put him in a million dollar house. He bought the house without seeing it, by the way. We, I used my like video camera and stuff and consultation and we're in a new market. It's crazy, huh? It's crazy for me to see people buy million dollar houses without seeing it, but um, mm -hmm. to their own. Um, but now he's buying investment properties and uh, we offered two days ago on a house under 300,000, there were 17 offers two days ago. So anything that's under, you know, 350, 400,000, you're going to see if it's priced right, you're going to see five to 10 offers right now. Interest rates are so low. Uh, and then there's a lot of consumer buyers that are out there that are looking either to get out to rent of rentals or take advantage of those low rates that you were talking about when you kick things off. Uh, we still do have houses out here, though, right? We have a saying out here, drive until you qualify. So <laughs> <laughs> we have a good freeway system. So most people are being pushed out. Maybe in your market, people might be now living in Gilroy when they wouldn't before you know, because they couldn't afford San Jose pricing or what have you. So I don't know. That's just a little bit. Over the last couple, you know, so uh, year on year, if you look at um, September uh 2019 to September 2020 uh, numbers, which were released about 13 days ago, um, it said that we're up 12% uh, in the Austin MSA. So I don't know. I hope I hope that helps. Um, you know, over the last decade, I guess we've probably seen between four to six percent growth annually. Sure. R reasonable. We never grew crazy. I remember in San Jose when my parents had a house in 1981 or 82 that we were growing like. 10% uh, a month for a couple months. It was just ridiculous. And I don't know, um, we're, we're, we've always been a little bit more reasonable. And I think it's, um, we're in a good spot right now. Still affordable. The, um, has this been the biggest increase in a, in a long while then if it's 12% a year? Yes. Double the, your long-term average amount, right? 
It is. It's hard. And I, I mean, I taught a class last week to, you know, 150 real estate agents on how to win in multiple offer situations. And a lot of the things are all the things that, you know, like all the business dynamics, but there, you know, that's only 10% of it. The other 90% is stuff that's outside of it. You know, um, you know, how, how professional are you? Do you have a good network? Do you know most of the agents? What can you do to give your clients an advantage? So we're doing, um, you know, not crazy things. I mean, Texas is a is a pro buyer contract state. There's 32 ways for a buyer to get out of a Texas real estate contract. Your contracts that you write in the Bay Area often have like waves everything. You waive contingencies for financing, for inspection. You pre-inspect. Most of the time, we don't pre-inspect. We allow the buyer to do that on their own due diligence. So it, we're not we're not crazy like certain parts of California, but uh, we're still reasonable. Um, but it it is more and more difficult for people to buy. And you brought up the point, which I love to get some clarity on what the property taxes range from 1.9 to 3%. What determines that and how, why is it such a big range? Yeah, it is a big range. And most of the time it's, uh, I mean, the, the school is going to be the biggest component. The school tax is going to be the biggest component. Think about it. You're not paying any state income tax. For people that are making hundred thousand dollars a year in your market, you're putting nine grand to that. For us, you know, on a three hundred fifty-five thousand dollar house, a portion of your tax, almost half sometimes, will be funding the schools. And we got good schools; they're 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 quite good. That's a big part of it. Other municipalities take out bonds. Um, some communities themselves will actually uh, take out infrastructure, which they'll um, get approved for. Um, uh, for the infrastructure for um, things like sewer. So everybody doesn't have to have a septic tank in their backyard. They can put in the sewer and water systems and gas systems, issue a bond, and then it'll be paid down over time. And generally the percentage of the property taxes, I've noticed they've gone down over time. My community I started was 2.75%. Now it's 2.54, 12 years later. I mean, my house value has gone up. So <laughs> my taxes have never gone down, but from a percentage, they, they certainly have. Like, can you share, I mean, 3% is, is, is clear on the high end. Like, is that a specific city or is it, these are like a new community and they have to pay for the infrastructure. Like it's such a big difference. Like what's a city or an area that might be that high if you know off the top of your head. And then of course. what's an area that's 1.9 as an example. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess the, on the higher end that you have, you have the cities like, like Leander, the city of Leander, like two years ago was the, the hottest sorry, the fastest growing city in the Austin area. And Leander had about 65,000 population. They they grew 8% uh, in population, but their infrastructure is significant. They plan for the future. The city of Leander, I had a chance to meet with the president of the Chamber of Commerce and they built infrastructure for a quarter million houses. So mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they have water sewer systems that will support a quarter million people as opposed to that 65,000 that are there. So they invest in their future. They expect the people to come. They are coming. Builders are actually building extensively out there. There's plenty of space for them to do it. You know, the only issues that they're kind of really coming up with is like lumber costs and stuff like that. Um, other other areas, just uh, maybe that with new developments in cities like Hutto, H-U-T-T-O, uh, also have slightly higher taxes. The ones that are like lower, the 1.8 to 2%, uh, oftentimes those are in neighborhoods that are more established. They've been there for the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and they're more centrally located, but often as you get more centrally located, just like in your market, the prices go yeah. up. A bit. So yeah, there's a lot of options for everybody. 
Um, once you hit the age of the oldest person hits the age 65, you can uh, apply for a senior's exemption. And in some markets, you might be able to see a 25, uh, 25 to 26% less taxes. It's a complicated um, calculation, but around there, if you happen to be over the age of 65. Interesting. And do you see all of Austin doing very well or how is the downtown doing? The downtown and primarily, I'd love to hear also your thoughts because from my understanding, most of the tech companies are in the northern parts. I know a lot more campuses are out there. What's going on, if you know, related to the downtown, uh, given the density, the east side, which I know has been going through a lot of changes, and uh, the south side as well. I'd love to get kind of those thoughts separately. Sure. I mean, well, um, if you look at the economy for Austin, we're very well diversified. So we have the state government, right? The Austin, uh, the, 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 city, the, the um, Texas has all the government uh, here locally. So we have a lot of those jobs and in the industries that support it. We're very big on service industry as well. So uh, and then, of course, tech has been, you know, when Dell came out here, you know, when they founded 20 years ago, they really helped put Austin on the map as a major tech hub. The University of Texas at Austin with uh, enrollment you know, in excess of 55,000 people in a football stadium that supports more than 104,000 people. It's an environment that works well to train our future tech workers in this space. So uh, during COVID, Austin, you know, just like everybody else, we hit higher unemployment peaks. We had about 11%, not so bad as everybody else. Um, you know, the last numbers I saw were um, were August numbers, and it was down to about 5.5%. Um, in North Austin, Apple is building that billion-dollar campus in Robinson Ranch, and they already have about 6,200 corporate employees here. Um, they're expanding to add an additional five to 10,000 in that area. In North Austin, um, we have an area called uh, the Domain. We also call it our second downtown area. It's a mix business, uh, commercial environment where they have like a lot of nice restaurants. Indeed.com has 3,000 employees there. Uh, Amazon has 875 employees in building 10 at the domain. And then if you look out east a little bit, northeast, there's um, what's called Project Charm. Project Charm, that was the code name for Amazon's uh, 3.8 million square foot warehouse, which will have a thousand employees. They're, they're working on that now. And of course, as you go further east, southeast, we've got uh, Tesla with the, who's going to be building their cyber truck there with a $1.1 billion investment. So I think Tesla really, because we have, we have a lot of high paid there. There's, um, we have a lot of high paid jobs with tech workers. We also have a lot of low paid jobs with a lot of in the service industry. What I call that missing middle is where, uh, Tesla's filling it. You know, these are 55, $60,000 a year manufacturing jobs, uh, and, uh, you know, reasonable income. That's really what we need in our market. And I think, um, you know, they're really going to help. That's awesome. So yeah, what's going on with the east side and south side? Is there much development there or is it just most mostly just residential redevelopment? Uh, Spencer, can you repeat that? It just cut out for just one second. You said something yeah. about residential development. Yeah. So was it, um, so my question is, I know the east side of downtown Austin along with the south side, uh, I've been it myself as going through potentially redevelopment. Like what's, is there any new companies going out there or is it just mostly residential in that area? Yeah, no, there's, there's companies out there. I mean, or Oracle relocated their, their campus for, so they had a, when, well, when I was working for Oracle, they had it at 9,600 North Mopac, which was in North Austin, but 
they ended up moving that to the kind of east area with a large campus that holds a lot of employees. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Tesla, like I mentioned, is going to be out there, uh, out there east. So yeah, there, you know, at, at, um, it's a great place to to live and work. You'll notice topography wise, um, as you go east of Highway 35, it's going to be the former um, farmlands, you know, kind of flat area. What you think of Texas um, stereotypically, I guess. If you go, you know, west of Highway 35, you'll notice something that feels a lot like the Bay Area, right? Rolling hills, a mm-hmm. lot of topography, that sort of stuff. I know you've been out here. You you might have noticed that when you were out here last time. Yeah, the whole like Lake Travis area, like Lake Travis. It's great. We got beautiful lakes. Lake Austin yeah. looks like a river. Right. You know, we don't we don't have anything like the Delta or anything, but you know, we got these small lakes which are fun to to play in. Nice, very nice. And so you've been in Austin, especially with. I'm sure it was growing before you went there, but it certainly has grown a lot since you've been there. Yeah. And as any fast growing area, like there are so many positives about Austin, right? What are some of the negatives that you have seen now, given what it is? I mean, is I presume maybe the same problems all over uh, lots of the Bay Area as examples, like affordability, given these are higher paying jobs. And you mentioned there's a kind of a divide, right, um, of kind of the service-based industry, especially more recently on living there, like what are the negatives um, that you may have encountered? And I think like many areas, unfortunately, the negatives only seem to get worse. They don't, there's, it's very hard to fix these negatives, but I'd love to hear like <laughs> different here. You know what I hear a lot here? I hear a lot that oh, might've cut out. Uh, and uh, 2000 was great. And ever since then, it's gone downhill. That's what they kind of say. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, uh, you know, we've always been kind of a more of a mid-sized city. When I came here, we had about 1.1 million in population. Now we're at about 2.2 million population within the Austin city limits. And the economists believe that we're going to have 5.4 million people by the year. Uh, by the So that's in the next uh, 30 years, we're supposed to have, um, you know, 5.4 million people. So going from 2.2 to 5.4 million people in a period of 30 years is significant and is what the forecasts are. So um, with any change, you know, with any city that's growing like this amount, we're a little bit behind, I guess, on infrastructure. So uh, infrastructure we're behind, you know, we have just like every city, we have traffic, but unlike certain parts of California or other cities, people here just don't honk. I don't know if you like, you know, you go in the Bay Area, you know, whatever, and they go honk, honk or L.A., if you're here, like nobody honks, like dude, you, when you drive around, pay attention, nobody will honk their horn. They're just, they'll say hi, they'll wave, they'll be friendly. That's <laughs> the Austin thing, right? So traffic, I guess, and infrastructure is one of them. You know, the city of Austin right now is looking at a significant infrastructure investment, close to $10 billion called Project Connect, where it's going to have, you know, you know, buses, and buses, transit system and trains, you know, I think you may have cut out Job. Sorry, everyone. This is the fun of a live stream. <laughs> we may have to just cut this out once we post it online. Well, 
if anyone has any questions, feel free to leave it in the comments below. Hopefully we'll be able to get back to it as soon as Job is back. Not sure what is happening on his end. And it's just me for now. We'll wait a few minutes, uh, but hopefully you guys had a pretty good idea of Austin. I've, I've had several guests at Austin. Austin is a very interesting market um, when it comes to either investing or when it comes to the purchase. You can also tune in yesterday. I actually made a report or a calculator uh, when it comes to investment property analysis between uh, the Bay Area and the Austin market. And you can welcome to plot in whatever you would like in terms of the calculation that makes sense for you. I think both is general. It's, a, it's pretty good. It's a still a good option. Now, the Bay Area appreciates further. So from what Job had mentioned, uh, the 4 to 6% is kind of what I thought it would be. It's actually, that's over the last decade. The Bay Area over the last decade has been closer to 10 to 10% over the last decade. And over a long period is about 5 to 6%. And I suspect Austin is probably closer to about 3 to 4% over a long period. But Austin is you know, for the price point and what you get in that, especially with low rates here, right? And you can still buy with three and a half percent down. Your entry level price is is much is is very good for a lot of people out in Austin. So really interesting to uh, see that. And uh, unfortunately, I think we may have to cut it off a little bit early. Um, but if you have any questions about the local Bay Area market or about the Austin market, feel free to reach out. Uh, I can forward all those questions about the Austin market to Job directly, and he can answer it for you. And it's also great. You know, my background is in tech. So is Job's background and, and being a sales exec, especially at a, a large company like Oracle. Um, so if you want something that's like more uh, in the tech arena, then uh, I think he'll be a great candidate for you and, and, and for your search out in Austin. Well, thank you again for tuning in. I will see you at the next one. Bye now. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade-up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes, or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.